Thanks for joining us here at Thrive Church. We're a church passionate about moving people towards Jesus. For more information, go to our website, www.thrivechurch.co.za. So much striving in our lives, eh? So much performance-based activity. Thank you, Pastor Trev. Appreciate that. Come on, let's give him a big thank you for that. Awesome. It's good. We appreciate that. We appreciate that message. I, I think it's, it's gone to the core, right? Yeah. Tonight, uh, we use this opportunity to do a double header, uh, meaning that two messages, because when men gather, I don't just want it to be just an impartation. I want it to be like a double. Uh, we're believing into the lives of our men with that there would be a double portion of what we're trusting God for. So when uh, the women have one message, they get one message, they love each other, like Pastor Trev says, they massage each other, do their nails, and they go home. But we decided we're going to do two. We're going to fill us up and send us out. Because as men, we need a double portion of what it is that God has for us. Hey? But we use this opportunity tonight to launch the brand and to launch the name for our men's ministry going forward. <laughs> Chosen the word forge for men's ministry. It's going to be the brand. It's going to be the men, name for our men's ministry going forward. To forge means to move forward in a determined way, although progress is difficult. How many of you know that life in our world is not always easy? But we've got to forge our way through it. It means not only to move forward in a determined way, it means to create something strong, enduring, or successful. We want to see our men's lives, our lives as men, we want to see lives that are created that are strong, enduring, successful. How many of you want businesses that are strong, enduring, successful? How many of you want marriages that are strong, enduring, successful? How many of you want ministries that are strong, enduring, successful. How many of you want to be a part of a church that's strong, enduring, successful? Because at the end of the day, we serve a Christ, a Savior. We serve our Jesus who's strong, enduring, successful. He forged his way to the cross. He forged his way to a perfect life. He forged his way to the salvation of mankind. What a great word. Pray that it would be in your spirit. And we've got some merchandise available if you want to kind of wear it as well. So... I see Manny didn't have his, he had his top on earlier because um, he knew I was going to preach and he didn't want to make me look like a string bean that I am compared to him. So thanks, Manny. I appreciate you. Back in 1958, the world considered El Capitan Mountain a 3,200-foot wall of granite located in the Yosemite Valley in Southern California the world considered it unclimbable. But on June the 3rd, 2017, Alex Honnold did the unthinkable. He climbed El Capitan, a 3,200 piece of sheer granite wall. He climbed it alone. Not only did he climb it alone, he climbed it with no ropes, no cables at all. It's called free solo, the sport. The sport reserved for only the bravest, almost insane. Climbing vertical mountain faces with absolutely no safety rope, no backup plan. It's just you and the wall fa or the rock face. One mistake, 
one slip and you're done. There's an interview that he gave shortly before he climbed it. He said, I was acutely aware, I am acutely aware that one slip of one finger will send me in a death spiral and my body will explode. Unbelievable. I watched the documentary. There are moments where you actually just, you, you cannot watch because if he slips, he's gone, right? What was most impressive about that feat of uh, athleticism was the preparation that Alex put into his climb. He dreamed about the climb for 10 years. And after the dream became a, more than just a dream, it became a plan in his mind. He planned for years and climbed El Capitan countless times with ropes. He forged his way up the mountain face with ropes, knew his way up, and then when he decided that his preparation was sufficient, when he decided that he had prepared enough, he went solo. Alex Honnold forged his way up a granite cliff face. Forged, remember, means to move forward in a determined way, although progress is difficult. It means to create something strong, enduring, and successful. He forged his way up this mountain with strategy, with planning, with intentionality, with preparation, and then with some raw courage and a touch of insanity. As men, I think we're called to forge a life towards Jesus. As men, we're called to forge a life that follows Jesus. We're called to do it with strategy. We're called to do it with planning. We're called to do it with intentionality. That's why it's called forging. We're called to do it with preparation, and we're called to do it with raw courage, gents. And we're called to do it over the entire length of our lifetime. Eugene Peterson, the famous author and and scholar who gave us the uh, paraphrase of the Bible called The Message, I love his wording, he called it a long obedience in the same direction. That's what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Alex Honnold forged his way up El Capitan through a long obedience in the same direction. He forged his way up there through the discipline of a long uh, obedience in the same direction. Speaking of forging our way up mountains, you know, the nation of Israel, three times a year in Old Testament times, would forge their way up a mountain as well. They would forge their way up the mountain to Jerusalem. Geographically, Jerusalem was the highest city in Israel. People had to ascend their way up to Jerusalem, and the people of Israel would do this three times a year. They would do it to remember and to celebrate that they were a people of God. They were the people whose salvation had been accomplished in the exodus from Egypt. They remembered in their forging of their way up the mountain that their identity had been defined at Mount Sinai when God gave them a way to live. And they remembered in the third time they went that their provision had been assured in the wilderness when they wandered. They refreshed their memories, gents, of God's saving ways at the feast of Passover in spring. And then they renewed their their covenants and their commitments as God's people at the Feast of Pentecost in early summer. And then they responded as a community of God at the Feast of Tabernacles in the autumn. Three times a year, Israel would forge their way up the mountain to Jerusalem with the purpose of meeting with their God. 
And as they made their way up the mountain towards Jerusalem, they would sing 15 songs or psalms of praise. Each psalm focused on one specific issue, one particular characteristic, hear me tonight, of what it means to be the people of God. This, these 15 songs would be sung every year. The same 15 songs or psalms would be sung every single year as Israel forged its way up the mountain to meet with their God. Each of the 15 songs describing an attribute, a characteristic of what it means to be the people of God. It kind of became their playlist, if you like. It became a key marker in their lives. Tonight, I just, I want to give us three of the songs that I think for us as men, as we look to forge our way towards Jesus, three of these, three of the songs that I think define what it means to be a man forging his way towards you, what it means to forge your way towards Jesus. Just, I'm not going to give you 15 of them. I'm just going to give you three tonight very quickly of what it means to be the people of God, what it means to be a man of God, what it means to be a follower of Jesus and to be a man in today's world. Isn't it amazing that 2,500 years ago, people were needing the same stuff in their lives as what we need now. You ready to go? All okay? Are the chocolates kicking in? First one is Psalm 120, so these go from Psalm 120 up to Psalm 134. They're called the songs or psalms of ascent because they're the psalms that the people of God would sing as they ascended to Jerusalem. Psalm 120 is the first one. It's the foundation. It's the starting point of what it means to follow Jesus. Psalm 120 says this, I'm in trouble. I cry to God, desperate for an answer. Deliver me from the liars, God. Listen to the language. They smile so sweetly but lie through their teeth. Do you know what's next? Can you see what's coming? All you barefaced liars. Pointed arrows and burning coals will be your reward. I'm doomed to live in Meshech, cursed with a home in Kedar. My whole life lived camping among quarreling neighbors. I'm all for peace, but the minute I tell them so, they go to war. The key phrase in this psalm, and I'm going to tell you what it's all about in a moment, is this, I'm doomed to live in Meshech. I'm cursed with a home in Kedar. These are place names, guys. Uh, Meshech was a far-off tribe that roamed towards the southern border of, of Russia. Kedar was a, a warlike tribe that would roam along the border of Israel. What's the point? Why is he talking about these? These represent uh, tribes. These represent nations that are far from God, that were hostile to God. These nations represent the world. They represent the system of the world. They represent the, the place that God's people are supposed to come out of. Psalm 120 is a psalm of repentance. Israel starts their ascent to, Egypt, to Jerusalem. The, the people of God start forging their way to him with a repentance. They start by saying, I want to come out of the system that I'm in. The first step in a journey forged towards Jesus is a step away from the lies of our world and a step forged towards Jesus. Are you with me tonight, men? What does our system look like? Well, it sells us the instant over the substantial, doesn't it? It sells us pleasure above purpose. It sells us greed over gratitude. It sells us the kingdom of me as opposed to the kingdom of God. Pastor Trev said, you won't see the kingdom realm 
of heaven. The word for saying no to the system of the world is repentance. And it's always the first word in the Christian life. It's the starting point of our response to what God is saying to us. That's why it's the starting point of the journey to Jerusalem. It's the starting point in the songs of ascent. Watch this, John the Baptist. He comes onto the scene. What's his message? Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Jesus' first teaching in Matthew 4, 17, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Peter concluded his first, hear me, his first ever sermon, Peter concludes it with repent and be baptized. We see that in Acts 2. The last chapter of the Bible, Jesus' last words to the church is be zealous and repent. Before a man can do things, there must be things that he will not do. Before a man can do things, there must be things he will not do. Before we can forge a life of following Jesus, there must be things we will not do. There must be things where we will position ourselves for freedom. We've got to leave the ungodly relationship behind. We've got to leave the alcohol and the booze behind. We've got to leave the workaholism behind. We've got to leave the porn behind. We've got to leave the drugs behind. We've got to leave the substances behind. We've got to leave the obsession with us behind. We've got to leave the selfishness behind. Before a man can do things, there must be things he must, he will not do. As we look to forge a life towards Jesus, we start with Psalm 120. We start like Israel did. We start like the people of God did. We start with a repentance. We start with a leaving of the system. We have to let our no's magnify our yeses. We have to leave some things in order to arrive at others. We have to reject some things in order to accept others. And a no to the world is then a yes to God. We've got to make a decision to leave the system that can call us and trap us and have its way in us. We've got to make a decision to leave that system behind. You okay with it tonight, gents? Remember, the better you respond, the longer I preach. <laughs> Psalm 121. I look up to the mountains. Does my strength come from mountains? No, my strength comes from God, who made heaven and earth and mountains. You'll see where we're going with this. He won't let you stumble. Your guardian God won't fall asleep. Not on your life. Israel's guardian will never doze or sleep. God's your guardian, right at your side to protect you, shielding you from sunstroke. God guards you from every evil. He guards your very life. He guards you when you leave and he guards you when you return. He guards you now and he guards you always. Can I remember uh, when I was in varsity coming home from uh, Tucky's University, Pretoria University, and um, at the time I had a magnificent, magnificent yellow Ford Cortina, two liter, Four speed. The back seat was so wide you needed a megaphone to talk to the guy at the other side. This thing was fuel efficient, stylish, every man's dream and every woman's just. I drive. <laughs> Guys would come past in their city golfs, so I'd drop into third and take them on the hills. So stylish. So stylish. One day we break down on the R21 coming back from Pretoria. Now, Pastor Trev was, was vulnerable. Uh, this is, listen, I'm going to share something with you even more vulnerable than porn. I had a woman in the car, 
And to my great embarrassment, I was battling to change the tire. I had a young lady called Shireen Thomas in the car with me. So she, I'm struggling. I can't, I, can't get the, I can't get the bolts off. Those of you who know me know that I'm um, practically challenged. <laughs> can't get the bolts off. Eventually she gets out the door, the door that wouldn't lock anyway. You, have you ever had a car like that where the doors won't lock or stuff like that? This car was a beauty. She, she gets out, she braves the coming traffic that's coming past at like 120 k's an hour. She gets out the car, she, she comes to look at me and she's wondering, why is it 35 minutes later and you, we're still not, like this car's not moving, there's nothing going on. She comes to the side of the car, she watches me, she says to me, uh, Byron, I think, I think, when you undo the lock nuts, you're supposed to go the other way with the spanner. <laughs> You're doing it wrong, dude. She was so kind, so gentle, but I could detect a slight trace of scorn in her voice. (laughs) Psalm 121 is the quiet and gentle and polite reminder that we are perhaps going about something in the wrong way. And it's the necessary follow-up to Psalm 120, which got us started on our journey to Jerusalem. But no sooner have we started our journey than we stumble and we fall. We fall into substance abuse. We fall into a broken marriage. We fall into a porn addiction. We we fall. And we scrape our knees and we bruise our elbows and we take a, a knock on the chin. And then what happens is we start to look for help. And we cast our eyes to the mountains looking for help. Which is why Psalm 121 starts with, I look to the mountains. Does my help come from the mountains? No, my help comes from the Lord. Now, there's a very important reason why he would cast his eyes to the mountains, cast his eyes to the hills. Because as you're summiting towards Jerusalem, In those days, the hilltops, the mountaintops, would be the sites of pagan worship. And so if if you looked at the hill from a distance, you'd see a silhouette of of an Asherah pole. You'd see a silhouette of an altar built to Baal. So if you're not careful, you'll look to the mountains and you'll see the false gods. You'll see the fake stuff. And you'll be tempted to put your trust into that. So I look to the mountains, does my help come from them? Well, for some people, clearly it had. But Psalm 121 is a reminder of where do you place your trust? You see, when you start on the journey and you start walking and, and then you do fall and you're down in the dust and your knees are broken and bleeding, it can be tempting to look up and go for the first thing that offers you some help. The first fake idol that you see, sometimes it's alcohol, sometimes it's the secretary, sometimes it's, you know, the drug abuse, sometimes it's the porn. Are you with me? You can look, we can see idols, we can see stuff, and we cast our eyes there and we say, will the help come from there? And Psalm 121 is a reminder, your help doesn't come 
from the silhouette of the fake God on the hill. Your help comes from him. Are you with me tonight? I love Jeremiah 3 verse 2. You'll see this embedded into Israel's psyche. Jeremiah 3 verse 2. Truly the hills are a delusion. And so this psalm gently reminds us that's not the place to look for help. You're, turn, you're turning the bolts the wrong way. Psalm 122. Worship team, you guys are welcome to join me. Thank you. Psalm 122. Keep focused on the scripture. Don't worry about the team. Come here. It says, when they said, let's go to the house of God, my heart leaped for joy. And now we're here, O Jerusalem, inside Jerusalem's walls. Jerusalem, well-built city, built as a place for worship. The city to which the tribes ascend. All God's tribes go up to worship to give thanks to the name of God. This is what it means to be Israel. Thrones for righteous judgment are set there. Famous David's thrones. Pray for Jerusalem's peace. Prosperity to all you Jerusalem lovers. Friendly insiders, get along. Hostile outsiders, keep your distance. For the sake of my family and friends, I say it again, live in peace. For the sake of the house of our God, God, I'll do my very best for you. Right, track, track with me tonight, gents. Psalm 120, a psalm of repentance. Psalm 121, a psalm of trust. Because you've just started on the journey, but where are you going to choose when you fall? Where are you going to choose to put your, your eyes? You're going to position yourself for freedom, or you're going to position yourself for a fake? But Psalm 122 is a psalm of worship. Verses 3 to 5, the city to which the tribes ascend. All God's tribes go up to worship, to give thanks to the name of God. This is what it means to be Israel. Gents, worship, worship is what defines us as men of God. Worship doesn't satisfy our hunger for God. It simply deepens it. It simply whets our appetite for Him. Our need for God is not taken care of by engaging for worship. It simply deepens further when we worship. Worship centers our attention on the decisions of God and connects us to the true character of God. Worship changes us, men. You see, our everyday needs are changed by the act of worship. I put it this way. We no longer start to live hand to mouth, greedily scrambling through the human rat race to make the best we can out of a meager existence. No, worship changes us. Our basic needs as men change. Our needs change from more of us to more of Him. We worship because we want to. We're not, we worship because we need to. We don't worship because we feel like it. Listen to me, men. Please hear me tonight. Feelings are enormously important in many aspects of our life. But when it comes to matters of faith, feelings are very unhelpful. We don't, we don't worship because we feel like it. We don't worship because we feel like we worship because we need to. I need some amens out there. We worship because it's the air that we breathe. 
Worship is a deliberate laying down of our will. Worship is a surrender of ourselves. Worship is a putting down of our preferences. Worship is our response to the greatness and goodness of God. We worship because we want to. We worship because we need to, not because we feel like it. We worship because we can act our way into a new way of being far quicker than we can feel our way into a new way of acting. Are you with me? Come on, let's stand to our feet. Has anybody got faith in the house tonight? Anybody here as a man ready to worship God? Listen, as men, we should lead the way of worship. Do you know that in Israel, men worshiped? Men led the way. Men led their families. It was the men who put on the breastplate. It was the men who went ahead. As the men, we should lead our way with worship. Are you ready to lead tonight, church? I said, are you ready to lead tonight? Are you ready to worship Him because of who He is? Are you ready to worship Him because of what He's done? Are you ready to worship with gratitude in your life? Are you ready to worship because when you do, you position yourself for freedom? Are you ready to worship because it's the way of God's people? We start out, we lay our preferences down, we we stumble and we fall, we look to our, our God. This message was recorded live at Thrive Church. We hope that it inspired you to move towards Jesus.